Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. Hello, this is Pamela Shea, Assistant Editor at the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I'm talking with Dr. Fosley, the Assistant Professor of Medicine at SUNY Upstate University Hospital. Dr. Fosley is the lead author in an article entitled, The Role of Procalcitonin in Guiding Antibiotic Therapy. Just to briefly summarize, procalcitonin, a pro-hormone of calcitonin, has been shown to be elevated in bacterial infections. This paper reviews studies that have suggested that procalcitonin can be used to guide antibiotic therapy to reduce use. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. No problem. So tell me, how long has procalcitonin been in clinical use? Uh, but the early studies on procalcitonin were done in the, in the early 90s in Europe. And what they found in the preliminary studies was that in bacterial infections, the procalcitonin levels were quite elevated, and they were not elevated in viral infections or other inflammatory conditions. So the impression was that it might serve as a marker for bacterial infection and then uh, help guide uh, antibiotic therapy. There were some studies in the in the medical floor, emergency room setting, some were done in the primary care setting, and then later on there were some studies in the ICU setting as well. So it's it's been around now for more than a decade in clinical use. Most of the studies, as I said, have been done in Europe. There's only one study that had a U.S. component to it, and all of these studies have shown that uh, the use of procalcitonin helps reducing the duration and the initial prescription of antibiotics. I see. And is procalcitonin useful in guiding therapy for all bacterial infections? Well, most of the studies were done in, in respiratory tract infections. There was a nice uh, recent review uh, published in Clinical Infectious Diseases that looked at all the randomized controlled trials using procalcitonin. And they looked at 14 studies. They had a total of around 1,450 patients, and the ones that had respiratory infections, the number of those patients was uh, more than 1,200. So most of the uh, studies have looked at patients with respiratory tract infections. There's some suggestion that it might also be useful in meningitis. There's some smaller studies which are not randomized control uh, trials, but they did show that procalcitonin was a very sensitive marker for differentiating bacterial versus uh, viral meningitis, but there's, there's not been a large-scale trial yet uh, in meningitis. And there's some conflicting studies as far as intra-abdominal infections and infections in other sites. There's not much data yet in immunocompromised patients. All the studies that have been done are in immunocompetent patients, so we don't know how that might pan out in the immunocompromised patient population. So I would say at this point, it's mainly respiratory tract infections. I see. So is there any data for immunocompromised patients? No, and I just said, I mean, most studies have been in immunocompetent patients. So uh, there's, there's some studies that are ongoing at this point that are trying to look into that question. So uh, hopefully in the next uh, two or three years, we'll have more answers on that. I see it's an area for future study. Right, right. So how strong and extensive is the data for using um, procalcitonin in the ICU setting? 
Uh, but the ICU has kind of been a little bit controversial, how helpful procalcitonin is. There's been five randomized controlled trials so far, and the largest of those studies was uh, a trial called ProRata, done in Europe in, in multiple ICUs. Uh, but the study had a few drawbacks. One of them was the physicians that were in the procalcitonin group treating the patients in that group, they were allowed to overrule the algorithm. So the adherence rate to the procalcitonin algorithm was low. It was like 47%. So that was one drawback. And the other drawback was uh, that they could not rule out a slightly higher mortality in the procalcitonin group. So it's still a little bit controversial, but there's, there's a lot of studies ongoing now. Unfortunately, none of them are still in the U.S., mostly outside studies in Europe, and there's a large study in, in China and Hong Kong that's going on right now. So hopefully we'll have some more data in the next two to three years that will address the, the issue of mortality in the ICU and how beneficial PCT would be in the ICU setting. You've already mentioned that there aren't that many studies done in the U.S. Do you think that larger studies here is something people are looking towards? Is something that's relatively not followed here? Well, actually, a study was planned here in the U.S., but then they ran into some problems with the FDA in the ICU setting because the FDA wanted the protocols to be followed strictly, implying that patients that were in the PCT group had to follow the algorithm. If the level was high, they would get antibiotics. If the level was low, they wouldn't. But then the participants of the study didn't really feel comfortable doing that because sometimes even with a relatively lower PCT level, you might still want to use antibiotics if the clinical suspicion is high. I think that's one of the reasons that not too many people have tried to do a large-scale study in the U.S. so far. I see. So as far as logistics, is the procalcitonin testing readily available and what kind of turnaround do people expect? It's, it's readily available in most hospitals. The hospitals we work at here in Syracuse, it's readily available. The turnaround time is around two to three hours. Uh, in some places, it's even quicker if the lab does it in the hospital. Our lab is not on site, so it's a, a send out, but it's in the same city. It's just a, a couple of miles away. So we get the test back in, in two to three hours for the most part. I don't think that should be an issue as far as the turnaround. Most hospitals have it available and they can get it pretty quickly. Do you think because the studies haven't been performed in the U.S., it's a matter of educating practitioners about how this might be useful in their practice? Yeah, I think a lot of places have started using it. Dr. Gilbert, David Gilbert, he is pretty well known in the in the ID field. He works at uh, the University of Oregon, Portland, and he has been using it, and their group actually uses it in the ICU setting also. They They use PCT levels in the beginning, and uh, then check serial levels, and once the levels uh, drop to a particular cutoff, they stop antibiotics. I've emailed him a couple of times, and he's mentioned to me that they've had good results using PCT, even in the ICU setting. So I think more people have started to use it. Well, very interesting. So is there anything else you'd like to add? For just that uh, it's a promising biomarker. I think more and more people are getting interested in it. And hopefully with the studies that are ongoing at this time, especially in the ICU, as well as the immunocompromised patient population, I think we'll have more answers and better data the next few years so that we can use PCT in the U.S. on a broader scale. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs> no problem.
This has been Pamela Shea with the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy talking with Dr. Fosley about his article titled Role of Procalcitonin in Guiding Antibiotic Therapy. This paper will be appearing in the December 1 issue of AJHP. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.